Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. If you want to partner with us, or if you're interested in more information, head over to brave.church to find out more. There you'll see resources to help kids learn more about Jesus, discussion guides for this talk, as well as ways our Brave Compassion team is responding to needs in this season. To catch the full Brave release, including worship and other updates, check out this talk on YouTube. Now, thanks for joining us. We hope this talk helps you find and follow Jesus. Hey, Brave Church. Thanks for joining us. This is the final week in our annual vision series. Uh, We've been talking about what it would look like for us to be a city on a hill. Our passage from this series is Matthew 5, 14 through 16, where Jesus gives his disciples a vision for what the church could be. As I read it this final time, let's not gloss over it. Let's let these words from Jesus sink deeply into our souls that we may have a renewed hope for tomorrow. Let's read this together. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Our vision for 2021 breaks down into three parts, okay? Our house, our valley, and our future. Today, we're gonna look at our future as the sun shines through the clouds, illuminating this city on a hill, we're reminded of the hope that we have for tomorrow. We're reminded that a powerful move of God in our valley isn't just a dream. It's something we could see in our lifetime and that we could be a part of. Brave Church began in 2013. I was 25 years old and I'm I'm standing here today fulfilling the call of God on my life because this church believed in the next generation. I didn't know how to write a sermon. I'd maybe preached in front of adults like five or six times. Uh, My time in youth ministry was really short-lived. I think I was in youth ministry less than a year before moving here to the Bay. But the people of this church believed in me. They were patient with me. Sometimes it, it probably felt more like putting up with me. But looking back, I'm just really humbled to think of how undeserving I was of that kind of grace. Just a few weeks ago, I turned 33, and I know I'm not old, but at the same time, I'm no longer the next generation. Marcy and I shared on social media this last week, we have a third daughter on the way, and I'm severely outnumbered now, okay? But I'm excited, and I'm going to be honest with you, okay? I was praying for a boy, but really, I'm just living my wife's dream now because all she wanted was to be surrounded by boys who would cherish her. And instead, I'm, I'm smothered with affection by daddy's girls. Listen, the next generation, they're coming up fast behind us. And they're going to need our love, our support, and our help to make the future great. I recently read a book called One Blood. It was written by a civil rights activist named John M. Perkins. And it's such a good book. We went through it as a staff this last summer. But Perkins writes from an honest perspective, an experienced perspective, and he talks about the fight against racism in America, but he also writes 
from a gospel perspective. And there's a section in the book where he talks about how God has used revivals in our country and how each generation that experiences one of these revivals can be marked by some key accomplishments that go beyond the walls of the church. When God moves in a generation, we see a break from complacency and rituals. God uses these revivals to inspire movements aimed at healing the ills of society. And so it's inspiring to read about what God has done through the church to build a better future. Throughout this book, every section ends with sharing the testimony of a church that's implementing the lessons that he talks about right now in our nation. And, you know, Perkins, he, he talks about this emerging trend of multicultural churches that look like brave, that are popping up all over the U.S., And he says something so hopeful. Check this out. He says, the next generation of believers is already making it clear that they want to rewrite the script. And I don't know about you, but that encourages me. But Perkins also said something that really convicted me when he was talking about the problem of segregation in churches on Sunday mornings between categorically white churches and black churches. Look at what he says He says, we enthusiastically fought for the end of segregation in the school system because we understood that separate always meant unequal. Yet we have not fought at all for the integration of the church. We must answer for that unfortunate truth. Think about this. A generation that accomplished so much fighting for equal rights in our country, a generation that believed all people are created equal and fought against laws that would keep people separate. Christians in that generation, somewhere along the way, they became content to stay separate by choice and they stopped fighting. The title of today's talk is The Fight Must Go On. And not just for equality, but the fight for truth and the fight for the poor and the fight for the salvation of souls. The fight must go on. We owe it to the next generation. Brave churches, we consider our future. There's a sobering truth that we need to recognize. Listen, what we fight for today determines the kind of church our children will inherit tomorrow. So what does the next generation need from us to secure a better future? Uh, Today, we're gonna talk about how to fight for the next generation, because the next generation needs us to fight today. They need us to not give up, to not grow weary, to not grow tired of doing good. And so we're gonna look today at how to, how to do that. And the first thing, number one, is to tell them our God stories. If you wanna fight for the next generation, tell them your God stories. Psalm 78, it says this, it says, we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statues for Jacob, statutes, excuse me, for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. It's a challenge to pass on our faith to the next generation. 
I am so, so grateful to the kids and the youth volunteers here at Brave. Every week, they pour out their love on the next generation. I'm so excited about what God is doing in their lives. Think of the potential for children who haven't even been born yet. It's so exciting. Another passage says, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Well, we all have a story to tell. Every family that follows Jesus has God's stories. Every church has its own stories of what God has done. And every follower of Jesus has a story, a testimony. And all of us have access to the great story of what God has done through Jesus. The fight must go on. We have to tell our stories. This Psalm, it gives us a sketch of Hebrew history leading up to King David and the importance of handing it on to the next generation. In Psalm 78, we see a contrast between the goodness of God and the sins of Israel. Each generation has a responsibility to tell the next one about the goodness of God and to warn them of the mess we make of our lives when we turn away from God's goodness. Um, I will never forget, you know, Christmas time's always been a special time for my family, but my papa, just this last year, he passed away the day before Christmas Eve. And, you know, he's the first Santa I ever met, okay? He was, you know, we have home videos of him walking in in the costume, and of course, I ruined it for all my cousins because I knew it was was Papa, and they were all crying, and, you know, it was fun. But Uh, Around this time, well, three months before this, uh, a year ago, he was diagnosed with cancer and it was a really swift thing and it was really tragic for us. We we got to, you know, cherish those final days with him, but, you know, it it happened so unexpectedly. But his legacy lives on. In the countless hours that we spent together where he shared so transparently about the lessons that he had learned. He shared about his mistakes He shared about his lapses of judgment, his his lack of wisdom at times, and the consequences. He shared about his gambling addiction and all that he had lost because of that. But he also shared about the power of God in his life and how he was able to get through those things. He was one of the most positive people I've ever met. But the truth is, as we get older and we have time to reflect, we're going to have regrets. And there's going to be things that we wish that we had done differently. Mistakes that we learn the hard way from. But when our sins are redeemed by God working in our lives, we have a story to tell. Jesus turns our blues into a redemption story. We need to hear those stories. The fight must go on. So number one, tell them our God's stories. And number two, train them for the battles of their day. Train them for the battles of their day. Uh, In Proverbs, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. One of the most famous passages directed at youth is when Paul is writing to his young mentee, Timothy, and he tells him not to let people look down on him because of his youth. But to understand that passage, we also need to understand something about Paul and Timothy's journey. In Acts 16, Paul recognized He had a responsibility to train up the next generation, to prepare them for battle. He found Timothy, and the text refers to Timothy as a fine young man. Timothy's faith didn't start with Paul. It started with his grandmother and his mother who instilled a love for God from their home. 
Then he was discipled and he was trained for ministry by Paul. This is the backstory to which Paul told Timothy to not be looked down upon. He knew his family, his heritage. He knew what he had prepared him for. They had spent a lot of time together. He, he had prepared him for this moment. He knew what he was capable of. He knew of the strength of his faith. Timothy was ready to lead. Uh, I remember once listening to a great leader that, that I respect, and he's, he's a wise older leader from a previous generation. And he said every major strategic step or decision that he's made was inspired and encouraged by someone three feet away from him. Not from listening to a talk in a crowd of a thousand people. The point is, while preaching can make a big difference, we'll be more influenced by truth shared across a dinner table than a screen. This seems to have been the key for Timothy. Timothy's grandmother and his mother had a huge impact on his life. Then through living with Paul, his, his call to ministry was affirmed and they became very close friends. In fact, Paul was a little older than Timothy and he described their friendship as being like that of a father and a son. They went through a lot together. They, they fought together. They traveled from town to town. They even spent time in prison together. During all this, Timothy was watching Paul to be trained up as his successor. Paul involved Timothy in his work right from the start. They made decisions together and the church became stronger in their faith and larger in their size because of their partnership. Who are you pouring into? Who's watching how you live your life, serving alongside you? Who are you telling your stories to? Is there a young couple that you can bring under your wing and share some of the lessons that you've learned from your marriage and maybe even some of the things that you learned the hard way or the long way <laughs> or, or parents of younger kids that you can pass on some wisdom to? Is there someone walking through suffering or a, a difficult time that you can share your stories with and encourage their faith? Our future is better because of the stories we tell and also because of the time we spend with the next generation. Now, there's something else we need to be aware of. Parents, kids, and students face issues today unlike those before them. With technology, it's easy to feel unprepared or, or not even know where to begin uh, when it comes to helping, which is why we need to partner with organizations that are specializing at tackling some of these issues head on. Teen Esteem is one of those organizations. And to tell you more about what they do, I've asked Susan Aiken, a member of our church, who sits on their board to share. Thanks, Samuel. So we've been talking a lot in Matthew about lighting a lamp and that you don't stick it under a basket. You put it on a stand where it gives light for all to see. As we work at Tina Steam with parents and families in this valley, we notice that a lot need guidance. They're struggling. There's so many issues that they're struggling with, things like depression and anxiety within kids, how to deal with technology and social media, how to think about drugs and alcohol and talk to your kids about it, and how kids make choices. And what we found is that families need a guide. They need a light. And Teen Esteem exists to be that guide for families. So I want to tell you a little bit about what we do, how we do it, and most importantly, why we do what we do. So what we do, let me take you a year back. I had the opportunity to sit in the back of a freshman classroom. Now, I haven't been in a freshman classroom in a long time, but 
some things haven't really changed. There's a lot of talk, a lot of chatter, kids sit in their groups, but what has changed are the issues we were talking about. Things like anxiety, suicide. When we ask kids, what are you struggling with? And how many of you know someone that has struggled with suicide? I was shocked with how many kids actually raised their hands. We talked about drugs and alcohol, the Good Samaritan Law, which I actually hadn't heard about. The Good Samaritan Law that if your friend is struggling with alcohol poisoning, a student can call 911 and have that friend helped and not get in trouble. And then we talked about the pressures, and not just the pressures of school and grades, but we talked about the pressure around alcohol, drugs, and the power of fentanyl, that just a tiny, tiny pinpoint of fentanyl can kill a student instantly. All of these things were brought into the open. We had discussions for two days. And so that's what Teen Esteem does. Teen Esteem goes into schools. We talk to students about the real challenges, the things that they're dealing with. And we don't just talk at them. We engage with them. We want them talking because we know once they start talking, there's power in the conversation. So we do that with students. We also are helping parents. We're helping parents by educating them. We have online ed videos. So if you're a parent out there and you have a middle schooler and you're struggling with how do I help them with their technology and deal with social media, we've got a video for you. If you're trying to create resiliency during this really tough time, there's tons of information on how to do that. We believe that information is power. So that's what we do and how we do it. We get into schools. We are in schools from Concord all the way to Livermore. We're in elementary all the way up to high schools. And we want to make sure that we are where the students are and we have great relationships with the schools. And then we are in the community talking to parents. Right now we're online. So if you want to get on Facebook Live and see us, you can. Every week we've got a new video. So let me tell you why we do what we do. It's the most important piece. We want to remind kids that they are not disposable. They're not replaceable, that they are invaluable. Their life has worth. Their choices have meaning. And so we make sure that every student hears that message. Brave, we want to thank you. Your partnership is invaluable to us at Tina Steam. We are 100% dependent upon our church partnerships and individual donations to get that message of worth and value into every student's mind and every school in this valley. So how can you get involved? Well, by contributing to Brave's 2021 vision, you are helping us leave a legacy for our students. You are helping us remind them that their worth is in who they are, not what they do. So you are a valuable part to that. And then we're always looking for people that can continue to pray with us and pray for us to continue to champion this message, to get it out there for both students and families. We're looking for board members, we're looking for speakers, and we're looking for these partners like Brave that will continue to be with us on this journey because we believe that our future is bright and our kids are valuable. So we want to leave that legacy that shows them their worth. Thanks, Susan. Man, I love what they are doing. So how do we fight on? Let's review. How do we fight for the next generation? Number one, tell them our God stories. And number two, train them for the battles of their day. And lastly, we need to teach them how to grow in their faith and share it. Uh, Historically, Gen Z and millennials are less likely than older generations to be connected to church. 
Barner Research has found the church dropout rate among 18 to 25-year-olds has increased from 59% to 64% in the past decade. However, 10% of Christian 20-somethings are what Barna refers to as resilient disciples. Brave church, our children don't need to be another sad statistic. This is why brave kids and brave youth aren't just a subsection of our church. They're an important part of what makes us a church, a multi-generational community where one generation passes on their beliefs, but also believes in the next generation, which is why we're not building ministries for kids and students. We're building a church they can belong to now. We want to see students serving on every team that adults serve on. We want our weekend gatherings to be a place they're engaged too, so they don't go away to college looking for another youth group catered to them. They need to find a support system, a family, a multi-generational community that they can share a spiritual bond with, even if they're new to the area and they just met. This is the kind of soil where the seeds of faith grow deep. Psalm 1-3 says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. You know, COVID has been a particularly difficult time for our youth. Uh, if you're a student, odds are you can, can't even count on your fingers anymore how many things you've missed out on this year. And I just want you to know right now, we feel for you. And there is a season coming that will be marked by so much joy. It's these low points that make the good times even more good and even more special. A huge part of our youth ministry uh, vision for this next year is outreach events. Uh, before the shift to purple, Brave Youth had just started coming back on campus. Uh, Pastor Slav was doing an incredible job with these events, and 12 students even decided to follow Jesus for the first time. Students are giving their lives to Jesus. They're learning to find Jesus, but they're also following Jesus, and their faith is growing. If you're, if you're watching this right now, and you're in high school, we want you to know something. You're not just tomorrow's leaders. It starts today. No one highlights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Our vision is for these outreach events to be a place that students can experience the love of God and the joy of God. See, sometimes the most spiritual thing that we can do is have a good time with some friends. It's a beautiful thing to follow Jesus with friends. So brave youth, prepare for the most fun you've had in, I would say, at least a year. <laughs> the goal of the church isn't to entertain people, but that doesn't mean it should be boring, okay? We should be the most attractive and joyful people on the planet. So brave youth, we want this church to be your church and a place that you're excited to bring your friends to and help your friends find and follow Jesus. We wanna teach you to build a deep relationship with God that will continue growing for the rest of your life. The fight must go on. So in closing, what happens if we live out this vision? As we, as we close out this vision series and begin living into this city on a hill, 
a city that is seen by its good deeds, a city with light shining through, representing the future that we are investing in, that we are fighting for, a city that is flourishing all around it. Our house, our campus, will be ready for a new decade of helping people find and follow Jesus. Our long-term building plans will be secured and the needs of the poor in our cities will be met and our valley will know the church by its good works. And brave kids and brave youth will have the resources they need to, to reach, teach, and equip the future of our church. As we close, I wanna ask you to consider what you might give. I wanna ask you to consider giving sacrificially to this vision. You know, God has probably put some things on your heart, some dreams that connect to this vision that you can put your hands to. And we love that. A vision is so much more than just what we contribute financially. But I would ask you to consider, what can I give? Because some of these things do require resources. As your pastors, you know, we have a vision for our church, but as members and contributors, you set the pace that that vision is accomplished. We've made plans, we've surrendered them to God, but now we ask you to be generous, to help us build this city on a hill, a light to the world, to serve and, and, and to see our cities flourish and to prepare for the next generation. So if you'd like to give to our vision for 2021, all you need to do is go to brave.church forward slash give or brave.church forward slash vision and you'll see the vision giving tab when you click down. And one more reminder, uh, this only helps us fund the vision if it's above your regular giving. So please, you know, don't neglect your regular giving. I know, I know this stuff is really exciting, but we still need your regular giving for our normal operating costs. Uh, but if you consider giving to the vision, um, we would be honored to partner with you. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much uh, that you have spoken to us, that you've given us an inspiring vision of the future and that, that in light of everything that's happened, in 2020, we can take so much hope for the future, that we can be, uh, that we can be a people marked by joy, that, that we can go deeper in community, and that we can make a difference in our valley. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us for the Brave Church Podcast. If this ministry is impacting you, please consider giving to support what God is doing through our church. For questions or to get connected, please visit brave.church. We'll see you next week.